Today's scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of God. I've, I've been planning to give you this message. Um, it's the final message of this series, Union with Christ, part 18. <laughs> We've got 18 parts in this. Can you believe it? And, um, and obviously that's a lot to take in. And I would hope maybe, uh, not to do this just to make me happy, um, maybe while I'm away, throughout the summer, and, and even maybe even just not even just the summer, um, I hope you especially want to return to this series. To be united to Jesus Christ, that's at the center of the center of the gospel. Um, some people think, what is the central benefit of salvation? To believe in Jesus Christ through the gospel, what's the central thing you get? Some churches would say, it's to be forgiven of your sins. That's obviously tremendously great. Some people say, it's to go to heaven. And, you know, then they only think, great, I get to go to heaven. And then, you know, like, okay, I've got that done. But, you know, while I'm on the earth, I've just got to make sure I, I make a lot of money and have a happy life, right? Some people would say it's justification. So you have a standing before God, and he sees you not in any of your sins or even in your righteousness, but only in the righteousness of Christ. Absolutely beautiful. But those aren't the central thing. Hmm. 
the central thing you receive when you give your life and surrender your life by faith to Jesus is to get Jesus. <laughs> okay? It's to get Jesus in you and you in him. And so that's the way the series started. He is in you and you are in him. And for the rest of your life, literally, which is forever, because <laughs> your life is not till you die on this earth. Your life is forever. Your life is forever in Christ. Okay? This is the only life there is now. <laughs> your life is in Christ. And if you could come back to this and, and, and rethink what, some of the, what does this look like? So, you know, like 18 sermons, that's a lot to take in, Pastor. How about if you just go back to maybe part 12, okay? And do part 12 through maybe 17. Just quickly, you're in the image of God. That's what a human being is. Forget what the whole world tells you what a human being is, including what you. What the Bible tells you what a human being is, is you are made so infinitely worthy he made you to be like him. And then we go out and live this life and we go be like the devil. <laughs> and then we try to define what it means to be human like that. But actually, he made you to be like him. And you know what that looks like? It's the risen Jesus. <laughs> so when Jesus has united himself to you and is indwelling you, you know what he's doing? He's actually making you most fully the version of you that will ever be most glorious and beautiful. You know, we're always trying to like figure out who the heck we are, especially young people today. So, oh, okay, if I get this great degree, or if I just get this wonderful girlfriend, or if I get the super car, or if I have this great success and make money, then, like, then I'm somebody and I get to figure out who I am. All of that is, that's not what we're talking about. Jesus goes, that's too, that's like small potatoes. What the heck is that? I have far more to give you. I'll make you truly human in him. Um, what does it look like? It's really strange. You have only one boast. The boast is Christ alone. And you know what it looks like? You'll talk about your weaknesses. That's really weird. Because you're no longer... Like Adam, a man of dust, always worried about, I'm a nothingness of dust. So constantly, I must get out in the world, come up with a boast, figure out who I am, show the world I'm something. Instead, you're saying, I don't have to worry about any of that. I only have one boast, Christ. That means people can see me. They can see the clay in me. They can see what's messed up in me. Because that's how I boast of Jesus. See, I, in me, inadequate. But in Christ, I'll live forever and I'll get to my final full humanity in Christ. And so we walk together. What I urge you to do is in transparency and vulnerability. You practice transparency and vulnerability so that this thing that, that I went over, that we are like jars of clay, but inside is this treasure, the most central gift of salvation, the indwelling Jesus Christ. So 
We will practice transparency and vulnerability. And then we will live our life in the most insane, strange way. We will always walk around going, I'm going to gain when I lose. <laughs> I'm going to gain when I'm radically generous. I'm going to gain when I love somebody, even when it hurts me. I'm going to gain when I forgive somebody who I basically just want to hate. <laughs> Why? Because now you're choosing in all my weakness, and all, I, I'm not good enough to do these things, and I can't do these things, and here's my weakness, here's my clay, but Jesus is in me. I'm not going to live in the atom. I'm not going to live like dust. I'm not going to just figure out my boast. I'm not going to just try to make my life for some pathetic loser kind of life where I'm just trying to make everything great for 80 years. Instead, I'm going to live a worthy life which is worthy forever and ever because Jesus is alive. He has conquered sin and death and he has conquered sin and death in me. <laughs> so since he has conquered sin and death in me, I'm going to live such a way that I know that he in me, such that I can conquer sin and death in and with him. So I'm going to gain by losing. <laughs> I'm going to pick up a cross. I will pay. But when I pay, on the other end of that, will be great glory. <laughs> and all this strange stuff. So I've laid all these things for how long to see you and I live. All these things, the reason I chose this particular series is this pandemic's dissipating and the Lord kind of slow cooked this launch of this church. We quote unquote launch in September of 2019. I think this church is launching now. <laughs> okay. And when this church launches now, when people come and meet us, you know what they need to meet? People in Christ. <laughs> people united to Christ. Okay. Okay, it won't be as long today, okay? But I want to close this message by talking about the church. It's actually a return to the same text and a very similar theme to what I said actually in part nine, if you ever want to go back to that message, right? It's the same text, um, and today's message is, is united to Christ by the Holy Spirit in God's church. The Holy Spirit, God's church, okay? Part one, the key activity of the Holy Spirit in you. The key activity of the Holy Spirit in you. Part two, part two is desperately needing the church, okay? Desperately needing the church. People walk through life, including Christians, and we all think, I desperately need a wife. I desperately need better health. I desperately need a better job. But rarely do people think, I desperately need my church, right? But I want to tell you, if you will be in Christ, he has offered you a way to be in Christ, that place where that drama happens, it's in church, and part three, belonging to those who belong to Christ. Okay? Belonging to those who belong to Christ. So, let's go to this text, which most people don't pay attention to this first part. And I want to go back to this, and hopefully you'll remember this, which is what I preached from part nine of this message. Okay, verse 12. Just for just as the body is one... And as many members, this is, you know, what your body's like. You have fingers, there's other members of the body. 
you have toes, you have, you have a liver, <laughs> you have lungs, all members of one body, right? For just as the body is one is many members, and all the body, members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. You know what he's talking about? Union with Christ. <laughs> See, there's this person called Christ. He has a body. And there's this mysterious thing. There's all these members of a body. You know why? They're united to him. They're united to him. Everybody who is one with Jesus is united to him, made one with his body. We're going to actually celebrate that. You're going to eat and proclaim that when we go to the table today. But this is what this passage is about. People go, is this union with Christ? It's, it's union with Christ. <laughs> Verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free. Now let me say it a little bit differently. Churched or unchurched. <laughs> Jews are the people who know God. The Greeks are the people who don't. Uh, Christians and the people who, don't, who aren't Christians, but they don't know it, but they're going to become Christians. So that's what church should look like too. You walk in the building, you're a Jew. You think of yourself as one belonging to God. And then there's the people who goes, I don't belong to God. Greeks, they walk into the building because this is church. They don't know they're going to belong to God. <laughs> it's all part of church. Slaves are free. Let me say it a little bit differently. Some people walk in and they're free in their heart. They're free in their lives. Some people walk in utterly enslaved. They're enslaved to pornography. They're enslaved to anger. They're enslaved to money. They're enslaved to success. They come enslaved. Or let's put it a little bit differently. Some people are slaves because they're poor. Because that's the socioeconomic standard of this time. If you're poor, you're low. You're a slave. If you're free, that means you're upper class. You walk in, you're free. See, church is for poor, it is for rich. It is for hurting, it is for those who are doing well. All one body, united to Christ. And all were made to drink of one spirit. All were made to drink of one spirit. And I want to take you back to something I taught earlier in this series, which is, this is what, the way John Calvin puts it. And this is just one of numerous texts where he sees it, which is, how are you united Jesus? What, is the un what actually is the union with Christ? You're united to Christ. Is that just a nice conceptual idea? Is that like I made a promise and he makes a promise back to me, but he's really, really far away up there? And that's not what he says. John Calvin says, the Holy Spirit is actually your bond of union to Jesus Christ. <laughs> let's, let's, let's use this passage. So, we're all members of one body. That body <laughs> is the body of Christ. And so when you go to church, you know what you drink? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit binds that body together. The Holy Spirit binds the body, makes us one to Jesus and so, what needs to happen inside of church? What is church for? The church is for you to drink of the Holy Spirit. 
Church is for you, for the Holy Spirit to take you to Jesus. Church is for you to make you one with Jesus. So let's, let's put it a little bit differently. So I said this part one. What is the key activity of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit does lots of things. But in salvation, he has one serious agenda. That is to take you and unite you to Jesus Christ. Most of the time we think about this as, as very individualistic. So it's me and Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Help me. Me and Jesus. That's how we tend to think about it. But in the Bible, that's not how it, it's, it's presented. In the Bible, it is presented you and Jesus in the body of Christ, the church. In the body of Christ, the church. So when you walk into church, you, you're in, I'm not even talking about the building. I'm talking, you walk into GLF. You go to dinner at your, you know, uh, at your brother and sister's house in the Lord. You go have coffee with one of your Christian friends. Do you know you're doing church? <laughs> church doesn't only happen inside this building called church. Church is the body of Christ. It happens anywhere where the Christians gather together. And then the Holy Spirit will say, it's time to do Holy Spirit work. So, I'm just wrap up this part one. How do you know when the Holy Spirit is at work? Um, as a younger man, I was like, okay, you know, I do Bible study, I go to church, I sing, whatever. And somewhere the Holy Spirit's supposedly around. Um, the Holy Spirit is at work anytime, anywhere. You see someone want to move to Jesus. <laughs> That's it. They want to repent of their sins because Jesus forgive me of my sins. Oh, I want to obey Jesus because, because he's my Lord. <laughs> I, I've been running away, just chasing after money, 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 money. But maybe I should depend more on Jesus. See, if it's you and you, if it's you inside Adam, you will never do that. <laughs> you won't ever choose Christ. But if the Holy Spirit is in you, working with you, then somehow you'll remember Bible passages that you, you, that you thought you forgot. Somehow, all of a sudden, the fool up here who's talking won't seem so uninteresting. <laughs> when you're hanging out with your brothers and sisters, you're like, okay, oh, that tired person again. Oh, yes, church, here we go, that tired person. Instead, you're singing, it's my sister. And yeah, she can kind of go on for a little while. But wait a second, I love her. And she loves me because we both belong to Jesus. The Holy Spirit doing all of that. There's a place where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. He, this, is, this is where he talks about this in, in the Gospel of John. He says, you can't see the wind. But what you can do is see the effects of the wind. Right? Especially when the wind is blowing. That's how it is with the Holy Spirit. You can't actually see him, but you can see his effects. And you know where you see his effects the best? In the church, when people get together in the name of Jesus, the central activity inside the church is to drink of the Holy Spirit, which is to go to Jesus Christ. I just said the same thing. <laughs> drink of the Holy Spirit, run to Jesus Christ. Same thing. Just said the same thing. Okay? That's the central activity of the Holy Spirit. 
to exalt Jesus before you, for have you run to Jesus Christ, for have us all be bound together to Christ. Let's go to part two. Um, desperately needing the church. So let, let's go to verse 21. Um, verse 21 goes like this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. <laughs> um, do you know that this is what Christians say all the time? <laughs> I've been a pastor for a long time. We don't actually say it exactly out loud. But this is how, we, how Christians say it today. They say this all the time. Because you, you see, one is a member, is a foot. The other is a hand. They look really different from each other. You know, one is an eye, and it looks different. But then if they talk, they say things like this. Hey, I don't get much out of the message. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> or, you know, that, that, that church is just very, there's just too many white people at that church. <laughs> because, you know, they look white, and I'm a hand, and I look nothing like the eye, and since I look differently from them, I must not be part of them. And so this church is majority white, and I just feel uncomfortable here. I, I, I don't think I need to be here and need them. So just take whatever that adjective, okay? Maybe you said that you walked into a church, because this is America, that's why I just chose white. A lot of the churches are majority white. So I grew up in a church that's majority Korean, <laughs> And I've watched, since I was an English pastor in a church that's majority Korean, I've watched people walk into the room, and they're not Korean. So you know what they think? They're saying, well, the eye says to the hand, I don't think I, but I, don't think this is, I, don't think I need this. <laughs> right? I don't think I need this. There was a sister um, that came to church. This is when I was still at New Hope. And um, we used to have two services at New Hope for the English congregation. The first service was at 8.15. Don't, aren't you guys glad we, we don't worship at 8.15? Right? It was at 8.15. And it would get about 8 to 12 people. In the second service, we'd get maybe 40 or 50. Okay? And um, there was a young woman, and this family was Mexican-American. There was a young woman. She spent some time at, in, in the summer, and at that church that church taught a thicker theology. So her parents were going to a kind of more seeker-sensitive church where they taught a thinner theology. So after spending a summer at this church where they taught this thicker theology, she came home back to San Jose and decided, I want to go to a church that's thicker theology. <laughs> she starts, she you know, Googles it, and she finds us. <laughs> she emailed and, you know, the email came to me, and she says, do you guys, you know, teach it like this? And I was like, yes, we do. So she dragged her dad to our church at 8.15. So this Mexican-American girl, she must have been about 14 years old. 14-year-old girl. Okay? Dragged her dad to church. There's eight other people in the room. Everybody else was Korean-American. Well, there might have been a Chinese-American in there, right? She walked in. And she didn't say, hey, I'm an eye and everyone here's a hand. That's not what she said. She said, yes. <laughs> They're more serious about it. They got this thicker 
thing, and her, her father looked nervous. <laughs> it's really interesting. This middle-aged man walked nervous, and she looked excited. Her face looked glowing with excitement, and her father looked nervous. And after the service was over, her father says, let's come back. <laughs> so they came back, and they came back, and then they brought mom. <laughs> then they brought mom. Mom walked in. What the heck am I doing here? I mean, she didn't actually say that out loud, but you know that's what she's thinking. <laughs> After the service over, she came right up to me. And she said it this way. She said, Pastor, I looked at you through the eyes of the flesh. <laughs> but Jesus told me that he's here. And I'm in, and I'm home. Something like that. <laughs> See? We all have all these different ways. There's not enough young people here. There's not enough pretty girls here. There's not enough people who, who, are, who, uh, who, who like golf. <laughs> okay? Because well, like when I go to church, I like to hang out with people who like the Warriors or something like this. Okay? And when we go to church, that's like treating church like some club, like the way we do all the other organizations and things. And that when we come into church, we're thinking about my wisdom, my agenda. What am I going to get at church? Or I'm not going to get much out of it. You think you know what you're supposed to get out of it. But you know what you're supposed to get out of it? Christ. <laughs> Let me say something. And this is hard. You're like, come on, pastor, this is crazy. I know. I, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crazy, okay? I know that if you're single, that you want to you wanna meet a husband, okay? <laughs> I know that. I know that if you have young children, you want to make some friends with some other parents who have young children. I get that. I know that if you're one ethnicity, you're walking around the world, you just feel lonely, especially in our city, so you got to meet some other people who are kind of similar to you. I completely get all that. But actually, when you walk into church, just put all that aside. <laughs> you know what you need? Jesus. <laughs> Period. <laughs> you need Christ formed in you. Because all that other stuff is all just like whatever compared to Christ formed in you. If Christ is formed in you, you will live forever and ever and you can take on anything. But if Christ is not formed in you, well, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you get your money, if you get all your homeboys, if you find your perfect husband, what you think is your perfect husband, or if you get some great, great success. Because remember what I told you most recently? When we are without Christ, we make good things bad. <laughs> but when we have Christ, he makes bad things Good. A church that doesn't look like it as much, but if they have Christ, they have the Holy Spirit binding them together to be together in union with Christ. Wow, that's 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 what the church is for. Glorious things happen in a place like that. So, um, so I want to say a little something about this. Okay, let me say a couple things I want to ask you. Please cling to God's church. 
If you are a member of Revive, please cling to Revive. This is the church God called you to. I, I really take, I believe membership is very, very serious business. Um, I am a member of the Park family, okay? What if I decided, you know, Grace, she's getting kind of boring to talk to. And that woman over there, she's more fetching. I think she just not meet my needs anymore. I'm going to decide to drop out of the Park family and go over there. What would that be like? Wouldn't that be awful? But how come people don't think of church that way? But it is that way. It is that way. Your church is where we have covenanted to God. And God has said, this is your people. This is your family. And when the bottom drops out, they'll be there for you. And when it's hard, we forgive each other. We work it out. And Jesus will be right there so that love will never end. It will be steadfast forever. So I'm not trying to, I don't know where you're at and thinking about church and so forth, okay? So if you think, okay, here we go. Susan's thinking like, oh, I'm going to leave the church. So he's gonna, don't, don't think that. I don't think like that. I don't judge you. <laughs> I know some people think that, that, you know, the pastor gets up there. He's got an agenda. He's going to stick it to certain people. I do not do that. Please believe me. I do not do that, Okay? I would never want the pastor to do that to me <laughs> if I was sitting there. So I would not do that to you. Plus, it's wrong before Jesus. Okay? But this is the subject matter. <laughs> Church. And I'm talking about that I cannot say to him, I don't need you. <laughs> Just the husband can't say to his wife, I don't think I need her anymore. <laughs> Just as a brother can't say to his sisters, in his family, I don't think I need you anymore. <laughs> Just in the same way the brothers and sisters inside the church should not say to each other, I don't think I need you anymore. <laughs> and I don't want to make get too hard on you, but you should say I need you every week. <laughs> you should say I need you every week. Um, my parents... My mom and dad are devout Christians. They didn't disciple us. <laughs> they didn't teach us good Bible. They were sometimes really good parents and sometimes pretty bad parents. Right? They weren't some great, you know, paragon of godly parenting. I'll tell you the one thing they did that they was just, it was great. They modeled for us we don't miss church because we need church. You know why we, 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 we don't miss church? Because we need God. <laughs> and you know why we serve in church? You know why we go to small group? Yes, my, I even knew my dad would go to this small group. <laughs> this other deacon, I know he couldn't stand that guy. <laughs> I even knew it. I was like, oh, I can't stand that guy. But like he would never say, I never heard him talking about like, Figuring out some way not to show up. Hey, go over to that guy's house. <laughs> even though I know my dad don't even like him. And so whether it was small group. Whether it was choir practice. Because that's where they, how they served. 
or it was just going to worship, they'd go to church. Why? Because they would drink of the Holy Spirit at church. Now I want to say something else before I go to part three. Um, Jesus is God himself, right? And he doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything, right? But when he became human, and by the way, he's still human. When he became human, it wasn't like a 30-year little stint. That's a little temp job. And then I'll go back to being God. <laughs> God became human. The Son of God became human forever. <laughs> so he's still human right now, right now. At the right hand of the Father, he's still human. And his humanity is the humanity we're getting. Now, so here we go. Let's back up. He was born. And, and then, you know, because he's, he's almighty God as the baby. He was just like, you don't have to change diapers because I got this. <laughs> By the way, you don't have to feed me because I don't get hungry. Because I'm just God. By the way, while I'm here lying here in this little bed, I'm just taking care of everything. Don't worry about this, Mary, because I'm God, right? No. Jesus, when he became human, placed himself in utter need of other people. Jesus placed himself in utter need of other people. You guys heard me say this. If you've been in my church, you've heard me say this. He had the worst crib of all time. And we sing this touchy-feely little song, away in a manger, away in the crappiest crib ever. God put himself in the crappiest crib ever. Because he said, I'm going to allow myself to need these very, very broken people. So here we go. The son of God looked at other people and said, did not say, I don't need you. He did not say that. When the Son of God came on Christmas, he's already modeling this passage. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. So, church is a very strange thing. I told you, we will boast in our weakness. We'll boast in our weakness. Do you know that the church always looks weak? Always. When I think about the way America wants to do church, we're going to have the like, awesomest building. Like, hipster-looking pastor. And, okay, obviously, we're not doing that. <laughs> okay? And the coolest bands, and all the great, you know, and all the great programs, all the best coffee. Like, this is the American way of looking at church. It's like to try to, like, take all the weakness away. That's not how God does church. In God, this church, we boast in our weakness. Because weak people need a savior. <laughs> weak people come together. And so many people come into church like, I don't want to need these other people. I don't want to put myself in dependence of all these other people. But that's actually how God made it. <laughs> God didn't just say, you live in the radicality, just utterly radical, boast in your weakness. He will say, go and be in front of a bunch of other weak people and boast in your weakness and be transparently vulnerable to them 
and let them love you. (laughs) And when they love you, you will drink from the Spirit. That's what it looks like. (laughs) That's what it looks like. Um, I spent all these crazy sermons so I can offer you a picture of my hope of what Revive Church will be like. Um, I told you about this church called Brookline Church. I went to Brookline Church. People were depressed there, got healed there. People used to (laughs) invite homeless people to church. We had this, uh, this homeless dude who I think was, might have been a schizophrenic. And these college students would walk into this church. And inside this church, they found out you could be weak. And if you could be weak and Jesus will love you, why can't the homeless guy come to church? So then we had this retreat. And you know what the, whole, uh, the college students did? They pulled money so the homeless guy who doesn't shower and who says crazy things because he's schizophrenic would come to the retreat. And he came. He actually came. It was crazy. (laughs) So here we are at this retreat. All these young hotshot kids, Harvard, Boston University, Wellesley College, they come from well-to-do families, most of them Korean-American, some were Chinese. There was a white kid. There was, there was a, a woman who was black. She was actually, I think, African. right? And then we had this dude who was probably in his 50s. He smelled really, really bad. He said crazy things. He would walk into service, and right after the service is over, he'd walk outside because he was a chain smoker. And he was at the retreat. Because inside that church, People would boast in their weakness. And if you were in that church, you knew God was in that church. You knew God was at that church. All these crazy things would happen like that. You would watch a person get healed when they hated themselves. And I assure you, you know, one of these days, if we ever get big or we ever get popular, if I don't say this, you can, you can remind me that I'm going to about to say this next thing, okay? If we ever get big and popular, here's what I'm going to say when I'm your lead pastor. I'm like, hey, everybody, we're getting kind of cool and big and popular. But let me just tell you, when Jesus got big and popular, he just started saying more crazy and offensive stuff <laughs> to drive away all the worldly, selfish pharisaical, fake people so that he can make room for the weak people who want God. Regardless of how cool we are, how big we are, I hope this is the kind of church we'll be. And I don't say that because I'm some holy roller, I got the best theology, none of that stuff. I'm your pastor. I'm the professional Christian. I have the degree. I have the theology. 
Let me tell you, that's what you see on the outside. But if you can see what I am on the inside, I am weak. I am poor. I actually just don't care about money and all these other crazy things. So okay, I get the money, nice car. Like, okay, that's really cool. You know what? Then you know what I think? I'm thinking, but this is nothing compared to if I'm inside of a church and I know God is there. I have been in that church. I have tasted that inside of church. It is the best thing I've ever experienced in life. And if we will be that kind of church, I need that church. I long for that church. I want to be around the people who will say, in Adam, dust? No, we throw these things away. We are like Paul. I consider these things rubbish. I consider these things crap. (laughs) I flush these things away. Instead, for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and I will share in his death no matter what, to receive of his resurrection. And if you will do that together, we will become the church that just, gosh, man, that is what God wants in his church. Let me just close this way. Belonging to those who belong to Christ. What we have in America is people, some Christians, who they, they want to belong to Jesus. But what I've noticed is they don't really want to belong to church. And they don't really want to belong to other people. We're so cynical and we're so afraid and we're so filled with self-sufficiency. We want to get enough money. We want to be smart enough. We want to be good looking enough. So we don't have to need anybody else. I don't need anybody else. We actually think, you know, my life, my time, it all belongs to me. I belong to me. I own me. But actually, if you think like that, if you want that, you're going to hell. (laughs) You are building hell for yourself. Because human beings, what you need is you need somebody else who will love you. Somebody to love them. Somebody who will actually go to a cross to love you. Oh, wait a second. There is such a person. His name is Jesus. (laughs) Jesus actually go to a cross to love you. If he's in your life, wait a second, that's actually heaven. <laughs> but if he's not in your life, and now it's, it's just you, you belong to yourself. You have the money, you have everything. You don't need it, I don't need anybody else. Just thank you. You just now built hell for yourself. And if that's what you want, and you don't want Jesus, God will say, okay, you can have it. <laughs> You'll drive all the other people away, and then... On judgment day, he'll say, you get what you want. There's your solitary lone room. You get solitary confinement forever because you asked for it. You wanted to belong to you. There'll be no God there. There'll be no love there. There'll be no purpose there. There'll just be you. There are many, many people who are trying to live their lives like this. But you know why God made salvation? And inside of salvation, there's a strange thing called church. Because God is practicing heaven now. And union with Christ is not a me thing. It's a we thing. Because salvation is a we thing. 
And salvation is you don't just get to belong to Jesus. You get to belong to all these other people. I just came from a conference. This was the Ignite Conference. It was started by one of my dear friends, J.P. Samuel. We had him as a retreat speaker. You guys know he's really compelling. His church is kind of like, it looks kind of like our church, except brown version, okay? 75% Indian and 25% non-Indian. Our church is more like 75% Korean, 25% not Korean. And Ignite Church is all about, you know, the church is not, is not mono-ethnic. All nations, one family, one body of Christ. So one of the speakers, his name is Sam George, he said this thing, and I hope I never forget it, and I want to say this to you today. He was quoting an African theologian from Kenya. I've never read him before, but I've heard of him. His name is John Mbiti. And this is what he said. If you belong to Christ, you belong to everyone who belongs to Christ. If you belong to Christ, you belong to everyone who belongs to Christ. I started thinking about that. So if I belong to Christ, aren't I in his body? And if I'm in his body, that's the church. And then one day, the church is going to stand before God. We'll be one body, one people. And we will see the glorious, all the people who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And we'll never say to each other, you know, I don't think I need you. You know, there's this passage. It's in this text. It goes like this. Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not actually make it less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm an eye, I do not belong to the body. And you know, this is kind of the way we Americans do church. <laughs> it's really kind of whacked. Upper class white people go over here, that's church. You know, like, you know, working class black people go over here, they're exuberant, they're a little louder, they do church. So then these folks go to this church over here and they're like, since I, you know, so if, if, and this, for somehow if this black person would ever end up in this white person's church, they would go, wait, because I'm not an I, I do not belong to the body. Wouldn't that be weird? But we do it all the time. So here it is in the Bible, basically telling us, don't think like that, don't talk like that, don't be like that. And then in America, we do it all the time. So I listened to Sam George. He's at some Billy Graham Institute, Wheaton College. He's brilliant, by the way, okay? <laughs> and I was like, if you belong to Christ, you belong to everyone who belongs to Christ. I'll tell you some things I saw at this conference, met at this conference. Um, there was an Indian choir from Pastor J.P.'s church. They stood up and they explained that they're going to sing this Christmas song. I'll get, I'll get you the video, guys. They said they're going to sing this Christmas song. They told us what the, the lyrics mean. And they're going to sing it in classical Indian style. 
It was, it was strange. <laughs> okay? And they were dressed beautifully. And they started singing the praises of Jesus about Christmas <laughs> in April. <laughs> when they said it's a Christmas song, and everyone in the room just started laughing. Multi-ethnic room. We all started laughing. I said, and I was thinking, they belong to me. I belong to them. JP's daughter, she got up and she did this dance. <laughs> if you never met Carissa Samuel, you should. She's brilliant. She's beautiful on the outside and on the inside. I, I don't think there's anything this girl cannot do. <laughs> she can do science research. She could like lead. She, we have this, uh, uh, this thing that's connected to our church. It's called the Perry Pateo Movement. She started this whole like mentoring thing across generations, across churches. She started that, by the way. And apparently she could do this glorious, beautiful dance in Indian to the praise of Jesus. As a Carissa Samuel belongs to me and I belong to her. Here's what Revive Church is like. You're going to walk in this church. Can you look at your brothers and sisters? The ones that are so beautiful to you, that you're so grateful for, you belong to them. And they belong to you. You should be glad for that. Because Jesus washed them of their sins, and they're only going to get better and better and better. If they start getting worse, it's only temporary. <laughs> If for a period of time, they just start acting like a total jerk. <laughs> it's just temporary. Because the Holy Spirit will get to them. <laughs> if, and by the way, that's true for you too. If you just start acting like a jerk, <laughs> we're gonna, you're going to keep drinking of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to start to become more in Christ. And let me close this way. Revived church is not just made up of the people in this room or whoever is on, you know, the video today. Somebody's going to walk into this church next week, a month, a year from now. They're going to walk in Greek. They don't know Jesus. They don't know God. They're, they're going to be a different skin color. <laughs> They're, they're going to have a job and hobbies that you don't know anything about and you think you have nothing in common with. But for some reason, when you share your weakness to them, they will share their weakness to you. And they'll go, this place is so weird. This Chinese-American gal just shared her weakness to me. And I'm not Chinese. There must be something good going on here. And what they don't know is the Holy, they're drinking the Holy Spirit. And they're going to keep coming back. Maybe they won't come back the following week. Maybe they'll come back a month later. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, they're not going to come back. And then a month later, they come back. And then next thing you know, they're getting baptized. <laughs> next thing you know, they're in your GLF. And next thing you know, she's taking care of your kids. Next thing you know, she's like one of the most beautiful people in your life. 
different skin color, some strange brokenness in her background. She belongs to you. You belong to her because of Jesus. If you will be in this place, you'll see it'll make you so happy. Because you know who will make you happy? What makes you happy is who's in your life. Not how much money you have or all these other things. It's who's in your life. Who do you belong to? Who belongs to you? Who's in your life? If those people are wonderful and beautiful because they're made into Christ, they're drinking of the Holy Spirit, you will have joy. That's like eternal joy. But if you don't have that, you'll be miserable. You're building hell on earth. You know where we build this? It's church. This is what church is for. We're not here to do club. We're not here to do religion. It's all boring and junky. We're here for Jesus. Jesus to be formed in you. The Holy Spirit is to make Christ formed in you. Make you into the eternal vision of you. And those wonderful people. We'll be weak together. We will love each other. And then we'll be happy because, goodness, I belong to her. <laughs> I belong to him. And he belongs to me. This is the way of God. Let's pray. Lord, I am looking forward to who's in this church? After several months away, I'm looking forward to how even the brothers and sisters I already know what will they be like after they have drank of the Spirit for four more months? When they have walked and boasted in their weakness, when they have dared to be vulnerable to each other, when they have practiced gaining by losing, when they have looked and trusted that Jesus is close, Jesus is in them, Jesus hears their prayers, Jesus is at work, and the Holy Spirit is changing them, forming them into Christ. What will that look like? That is the drama, what I call the greatest show on earth. And we pray, Lord, that you will bring people into this church. You will help us to see each other, nothing like the way the world looks, in a very strange, amazing way. Can there be some young woman who comes to this church who could dance like Carissa? Some people walk in this church who dares to pay for a homeless person to go to a retreat. Someone who walks in this church so hurting and so depressed and instead of thinking, I'm this needy person that nobody wants to love, somebody will say, I know that what it's like to hurt and be depressed. Let us love you with our weakness. Let us love you with Jesus. We pray that as we go to your table, we will eat and believe we are made one body with you. And when we drink this cup, we will drink of your spirit. Make us your people. Make us glorious. Be at the center of all things, Lord Jesus. For us, in Jesus' name. Amen.